0: Thank you. Last week, Pastor Laurie brought a powerful word on repentance in the series that we're in, uh, living into these Kairos moments. And I want to build, continue to build upon uh, how the Lord used her life and the words that she shared last week for this week, because we're gonna continue our Carriers of the Heart series that we're looking at this entire ministry year. But this month specifically, we've been looking at the value of what does it mean to live a Jesus-focused life. Next month, in the month of February, we're gonna look at what does it mean to live wholeheartedly. I believe that's the next value you coming up. If not, then I'll change that by next week. That's all good. But I think that's the one. Um, So when we talk about being Jesus-focused, this is what we mean. This is what we've been saying for this entire month, that Jesus is our focus, our constant compass. We are always changing in the world in which we live, I would add, is always changing. But he is perfect, alone, remaining, unchanged. And so today as we complete our 21-day fast, um, some of you may have had amazing breakthroughs, like really supernatural things, and we wholeheartedly celebrate that. And yet there's others of you who today, you may not quite yet know what God is doing and if he did anything over these last 20 day, 21 days, but I want you to know, despise not what God is doing on this day. Everyone say this day. You see, this day is so significant because for my life and for your life, we often overestimate what a tomorrow can look like. And we underestimate what the potential of today is. And if we live a life where we constantly underestimate the value of today and we overestimate the potential of tomorrow, then we can live a life where everything is always coming Someday, around the corner. Have you ever heard an expression like that? Like, well, it's just around the corner. Sometimes in my following Jesus, I do scream out, how long is this corner? Like, it's like, I've been cornering for 10 years. And we have, that was funny to me, but not necessarily you, and that's okay. But we have to live our life in such a way. We have to live our life in such a way that we are honest with what, what is today. And trusting God for the things that we desire this morning. I had someone after the first service say that they came forward and they received prayer for healing. And you know what? They were asking God to heal. And when they said it, I said, oh, do I ever resonate with that? I get that. They said, I'm asking God to heal my heart where I have asked him for healing and I've been disappointed. And I just said, man, that, that's an honest place before God. And But for them to posture their heart today, everyone say today, I just thought that was incredibly, incredibly powerful. You know, in our following Jesus, you and I have the opportunity to live in delusion or to live in faith. And they're not the same thing at all. But we also have the opportunity to look at God's word and then try to back away from what it says to make it more comfortable. And when we do that, we nullify what it actually says. And so there is this place of trust. There is this place of dependence as together we as a church, as we've already done this morning, we press in for healing. And like you, I press in with my whole heart and offering my heart to God simultaneously saying, would you heal some of these things while I fully trust you, that you are who you said you are and you can do what you said you can do. You know, there are tensions. Everybody say tensions. Not every single one of us live with tensions on the inside of our heart. And these tensions can often rob us of of what God wants to do today. And they're not new. They're not new in 2020. If I took you back, there was a gentleman by the name of Paul, and this is what he said. For I don't understand my own actions. Can anyone relate? Why did I say that? Why do I always feel that? In a relationship, there's crazy cycles with a friend or someone you love where you know, if I say that, they're going to do this. And then when they do this, I'm going to do that. And you know it before it's there but there you are, and then you say that, and then away it goes again. And so Paul is saying here that I don't even sometimes understand my own actions. Why do I keep doing those things? Why do I keep falling into that trap? I don't understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want to do, but I do the very thing that I hate. So what's the subtext there? Why do I always put off transformation till tomorrow? Why do I always look for it in another day and not embrace it on this day? Why is it always just around the corner? Why can't it be today? And so there are some things that we can have in our heart and life, for example, that we can have these tensions that we want to be committed to church, but we also want to sleep in and watch football games on Sunday. And they're at war within us on the same time. Or we want to give generously, but we also want to buy that, that, that in particular. I really want to buy this. We have those things on the inside of us where we can want to date our spouse and then uh, and watch a hockey game simultaneously. Now, if your spouse loves hockey and they love going to those games, well, bless you. Or you can reverse that, and then Laurie could put her own words in in there, which is equally great. I want to be a good parent, and I'd be a good parent if only my kid was a good kid. And your kid's going, I'd be a good kid if you were a good parent, right? And all all of a sudden, there's all these tensions in the home around blame and whose fault. Here's one of the best ones. Here's one of the best tensions we all live with. I want to change, but I also want to be comfortable. Well, they don't work that way. In other words, I want want to be changed, I want to transform, but I want to think the same way, feel the same way, do all the same things, but I want to experience change. Well, that's just not how change works. And so we feel these tensions on the inside of us. And here's another one that I believe is occurring is we want God to move. And everybody said, we want God to move. We wholeheartedly want God to move. But I also believe the God of heaven wants his church to begin to move a little more. That sometimes we're waiting for a move of God, and I think all of heaven is waiting for a church to move. Did you know that today in North America, less than 2% of followers of Jesus ever share their faith? So 98% of followers of Jesus never, ever, ever share their faith. So yes, we need God to move, but we need church. We got to move too. Every single one of us, we got to move too. And so with these tensions, again, we often put off Till tomorrow, but there are moments for us today, well, get, I'll get better at my relationship, or I'll get better at the next relationship, or I'll do it next Sunday, or, you know, I'll sign up for that next time it comes around. And, and again, then we live a life, we can end up living a life where the dreams of our heart are always pinned to someday that never actually comes. And there's something about embracing the power of today. But here's the reality of why often we don't. Because often we delude ourselves into a place of thinking, well, tomorrow I'll feel differently. Tomorrow I'll be better. Tomorrow this part of my life will be, I'll, I'll work this out. I'll fix this out. In other words, tomorrow I'll be in a, de- a better place than I am today. But the truth of it is there's no better day to start than yesterday. And the next one is today regardless of what it is that you feel, what it is that you're going through, where you see your life, there is something. And so the question we need to ask is in the tension of all of these things, because I promise you, these tensions don't often go away. They're not there sometimes to be solved, they're there to be managed, surrendered to God. But what did Jesus say? Well, Jesus was living in a day where people felt a ton of tension because they were trying to live in a way that was pleasing and honoring to God. They were trying to live in a way, in a culture that was completely different to which they were living in. And so there were these 10 commandments that God gave to Moses that formed the basis of this new group of people called the children of Israel. They were living into a different law, into a different way. Different kings and kingdoms lived differently, but they were distinct. They were different. In the time Jesus came, as humans tend to do, not only were there 10 laws, but there were about 700 more added to the person beside you and say, that's a lot. It's kind of like the city of Ottawa. We had a policy for every policy, right? Has anyone here ever traveled the world? Have you ever driven anywhere else in the world? Like the, it looks like organized chaos. Like there's no lines on the road, but everyone seems to manage. You come here and you, you, you can't even move because we've got a policy on a policy. No, look, listen, listen. I'm not advocating getting rid of the lines because we have that when it snows, and Lord have mercy on all of us. So there's good, there's goodness in governance, but how many know it can get too much. OK? Well, that's what's happening here. And so someone, the scribe says to Jesus. One of the scribes came up and he heard them disputing with one another, because that doesn't happen today. It just happened back there. Could you imagine people disagreeing with one another? Just try to imagine what it would be like to live in a world like that. And one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another, and seeing that he answered them well, asked him, which commandment is the most important? And this is my favorite scribe in the Bible, because this is the person who just says, can you just bottom line it for me? No more illustrations, no more metaphors, no more, don't talk me around, just bottom line it for me, how much is this gonna cost? Like, just get to the heart of it, okay? I'm tired of just, okay, yeah, I got it, I got it, just tell me what it is. And here's what Jesus said. When it comes to the tensions of our hearts, here's what he said. And you shall love the Lord your God. Everyone say love. Love, Love. leave room for love and a specific type of love. Jesus said, what's the most important thing for you and I to orient our lives around? is you gotta love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. That's the first one. And the order of these, by the way, is vitally important. And so Jesus said, we're to love God with all our heart, all our soul, all our mind, and all of our strength. Pause, can I also let you in on a little secret? Your all is not fixed. It's variable. What I mean by that, in some seasons, your all is a lot. In other seasons, your all is a little. We all go through storms in life that take stuff from us. We all go through good seasons and very difficult seasons, but the scripture doesn't change. You give your all. You love the Lord your God with all your heart. So again, there may be some Sundays you come in and you are dancing and you are singing off key and annoying everyone around you and you don't care because you are just, it's you and Jesus in the midst of us and you're going and you're all out and it's, you're all passion, you're all in. And there may other be other Sundays where you, your all, looks like took everything for you to get out of bed and come here and you're here and you've got a bad attitude, you're negative (laughs) but you're still giving your all in that moment. And you know what God will do? Because He loves you so much? You're gonna come in and sit and someone beside you is going to be on a mountaintop. (laughs) And they're just like life couldn't get any better and you're gonna (laughs) be And that's okay, it's like sandpaper. So love the Lord your God with all. And again, it's not saying in comparison to somebody else, it's not in comparison to a different season, whatever season you're in. But it's important, it says love the Lord your God with all your heart. And the second is this, then you love your neighbor as yourself, so why is it important that you and I love God with our whole heart? Why is that important today? You know, we live in a culture where people loathe themselves Why is that significant? Well, according to Jesus, if we don't learn and allow God to heal our hearts, so that we can love ourselves, then we can't actually love others the way that they need to be loved, that the brokenness in me creates brokenness in others, that there is this space in my heart where I need constant healing and wholeness to touch my own heart and life so that I can love others the way that Jesus has called me to love them. So he says, first love the Lord your God with all your heart, and then the byproduct of that is then you begin to love your neighbor as yourself, all right? So you shall love. That's the power of today, not only tomorrow. Here's what John Tyson says, what matters most in life is passion for the one true God and then compassion for the people he created. The rest is commentary. The rest is just commentary because this is the goal of spiritual formation or of discipleship or of becoming like Jesus of learning to think to love to act and to will towards God in love it's not only the suppression or the removal of certain desires but it's the reorienting of ourselves towards God that this is the heart of what it means to be a follower of God to love the Lord your God with all your heart all your soul all your mind and all your strength why is that one the most critical well let me ask you a question is anybody here in your life ever had a friend. Can I see your hands please? Here's what happened with that friend. If they became, you hung around them, you hung around them, you hung around them, you and that friend started to become like each other. In fact, you may have developed like little, 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 like little inside sayings and not trying to be clicky, but literally you picked up on inside things that nobody else around you knew what you were talking about. And they thought you is and was weird. But for you and your friend, it was hilarious. Now, you didn't sit down at the beginning of that relationship and say this, we're going to spend time together, and the spending of time together, you're going to become like me, and I'm going to become like you. Deal? Deal. If your relationship started that way, that's weird. It just happens naturally. Yeah? Hey, I like that food, too. Let's let's do it. And all of a sudden, those things begin to mesh, and then you begin to influence one another in this organic way. So why did Jesus say, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength? And then we begin to learn to love one another the way they should be loved. Why did he have it in that exact order? Because there is something about proximity to God's presence that begins to transform your life. If you don't think that's real, let me let you on this. Your spiritual enemy will never, never, there's no spiritual warfare every time you sit down to watch The Bachelor, none. Mm-mm. I know none of you do. Okay, there's none. That was from a film, by the way. Okay, there's, there's no, there's no spiritual warfare. There's no spiritual warfare. Anytime I sit down to watch a hockey game, none whatsoever, none. But every single time I set time to spend with God, it's always, it's always contested time. Anyone here ever set time to pray? I don't care if it's morning, noon, or night. Sometimes it's hard to get a hold of our thoughts. You sit down to watch a show. You sit down with your family to watch a movie, and you don't even make it through the opening credits. You're out like a light, right? But there's something, man, about this contested space, there's warfare around it. Why does the enemy do that in my life and in your life? Is it so that you and I can't check perfect boxes of perfect devotions? No, no, no. It's because he knows proximity to the presence of God will begin to transform your life in a way that nothing else will. And spiritual disciplines put you in proximity to the presence of God so that he can continue the transforming work on the inside of you so that you and I then can get healed and whole and look more like Jesus. And then as we look more like Jesus, we begin be begin to love people the way that Jesus loved people. And one of the things you see is, here's a good question you wanna ask yourself, because if we fall prey to believing that, well, God will use my life someday, or God wants to use my life in another day, and until I get all this worked out, then God can't use me till all this gets worked out. And yeah, there's some things that gotta get worked out before you step out here. Sure, I'll give you that, but the reality is God wants to use our lives the very first day we give our hearts to Jesus. He wants to begin to use our lives to make a Jesus size difference and there's too many Christians who live their whole life playing defense. And they never play offense. And what do I mean by that? Their whole life is marked by do this, don't do that, don't do that, don't touch that, don't watch that, don't, 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 don't. And then look at it and they know, do this, but I can't do this, I failed doing this, I didn't read my Bible this week, or I didn't pray this week. And I'm not saying those are good things, but I am actually saying, if you could set aside two minutes and five minutes, but the goal of your following Jesus is not just do's and don'ts, it is being transformed by his presence. It is getting in proximity to him. It's not perfect box tech, box checks. It's a matter of saying, "God, I'm just making myself available." You know what transformation feels like? It feels very mundane. Is anybody here? Okay, do, do, do you do you do you remember summer? I know it's the end of January, but do do you do you remember this green this this green stuff we have on? Do you remember grass? Do you remember how good it looks? Has anyone ever just sat and tried to watch grass grow? You can't see it, but it's happening little by little, all the time. If you go away for a week and you come back, you're like, I gotta cut the grass. There is something just about availability and presence that begins to transform our hearts every single day. The pressure of you becoming like Jesus, by the way, shouldn't rest on your shoulders. It's on his. What is your step and my step? It is surrender. It is presenting ourselves. It is managing our affections towards him. That's how we position ourselves. You see, many Christians say to me today things like, well, I'd get on offense, like I would pray for people, or I would share my faith, or I'd bring an encouraging word, or I would serve, or whatever it happens to be, if X, Y, Z. So in other words, if the conditions were perfect, then I'll engage that moment. But here's what Jesus said. Here's what Jesus said for you and for I. I do not ask that you take them out of the world. In other words, Jesus is saying the world's not the problem. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but while they're in the world, I pray that you'd keep them from the evil one. Now, I am the furthest person who looks for demons under every single chair and blames the devil for everything. I am the furthest person from that, but there are far too many Christians today that do not acknowledge the demonic, do not acknowledge the side of darkness and the power of the evil one in their heart and life, that they blame everything on God and they see nothing towards the enemy. The greatest deception that the devil ever commits or perpetrates on any single heart is the belief that he doesn't exist and is not active. And so there is this place for you, and I didn't do that in any other services. That's free for you. Um, But there is this place. So I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. This is what Jesus said. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. And then he said, sanctify them in the truth. And not my truth, your truth, because my truth and your truth is rooted on what I think, what I feel, and what I believe. That's not what Jesus says. He clarifies it in the next verse. Sanctify them in the truth, and then he says, your word is truth. So as followers of Jesus, we have what we think, we have what we feel, we have what we believe, absolutely. We can agree and we can disagree with one another. But there is an ultimate authority of God's word and the person of Jesus Christ, who is the word who became flesh. That is the the final authority for our hearts and for our lives that should orient our thinking, our feeling, and our emotions as we spend time with Jesus. And as you sent me into the world, so I have sent them. Everyone say, sent them. You and I have been sent into the world in which we live, not to play defense, but to play offense, to make a Jesus-sized difference wherever we go, that we are to love God with all of our hearts, and then we are to love and have compassion for the people that he has placed around us. And again, that's not just tomorrow, 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 or someday, it's embracing the power of what could that look like today. What does it look like as we bring this to a close? Ephesians chapter 4 verses 22 to 24 says, put off your old self. Put off. That's something that we can do, which belongs to your former manner of life that is is corrupt through deceitful desires to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and then put on. Everyone say put on. So we got to learn to put off certain things, but not just play defense like don't touch, don't touch, don't touch, don't touch, don't touch. No, no, it's, it's, it's don't click false love so that I can actually reveal to you what true love is all about. Put on something. It's not just the denial of, it's the fulfillment in. It's not just living in a life of suppression. It's living in a life of being full of the Holy Spirit to do what he's called us to do. There are so many Christians who have the don't part, but we don't have the infilling part. Exactly. <laughs> we don't have the joy part of our faith. So again, we then learn the language of culture and we take me days. And you're not listening saying, well, okay, wait. So, so doing all of that with Jesus means I have to do all church stuff all the time? I didn't say that but here's what it can look like is different. You can take a day this week and you can go skiing and it can be all about you. Or you can take a day this week and be skiing and in the process of it, your heart can actually be engaged in worship. Like, God, I am so thankful for the beauty of your creation. God, I thank you for a body that can be able to move. Lord, I thank you for rest and enjoyment and joy for my heart and soul. It doesn't have to be skiing. It can be something different, whatever it happens to be. You're eating a beautiful meal. God, I thank you for every flavor that your creativity is absolutely remarkable. So I'm not saying that every moment of your day has to be doing church things. I'm saying in everything in Him we live and move and have our being. But it's not taking, wait, wait, it's not taking me days, okay? It's not taking a day like it's all about me. It's taking a day saying, no, it's come to me, Jesus said. All you are weary and heavy laden and I'll give you rest. So it's not I'm so stressed, I need a day off of work. No, no, I am so stressed, so I need a come to me day where I can actually allow God to take the burdens off of my heart and life. There are many of us today because the world we live in is so broken. And because everybody has social media, now it's so loud that we live every day saying, man, I can't handle the brokenness of it. It's like a coat that's so heavy. You got to learn. I got to learn. In 2020, we got to learn to carry burdens and then cast them onto Jesus and to remind ourselves that we're not the savior of the world. We're not the healer of the world. We're not the deliverer of the world. But we know the one who is. So again, to put off our old self, to, to, to live in God's presence again, is not, I'm not saying you got to listen to worship music 24-7. For some of you, that's what your joy looks like. But I'm not saying that. I'm saying, again, you can live a life that orients all around you, or you can say, God, is this a gift that you've given? But you may do things that God says, no, I don't want you to do that. But every time God says, no, I don't want you to do that, that's the counterfeit. Also keep going on the journey of today and saying, God, then what's the real that you want for my life? Because it's not just to live alone. He may say no to a relationship. No, I don't want you in that relationship. But it's not to lead you into loneliness. But he may lead you out of a relationship that is unhealthy, and he may place you into community, which takes time to develop. Don't look for perfect people in community because as soon as you show up, you're going to wreck it. As soon as I show up, I wreck it, we wreck it. Don't look for perfect jobs. Don't look for perfect leaders. Don't look for perfect churches. They don't exist. The only thing we need to perfect in our life is perfect submission. And if you and I can learn to perfectly submit to God, you know what happens? All is at rest. So is this a word for tomorrow, when you achieve, when you're finally this, when you're XYZ, when you achieve this level of spiritual status, when you achieve this discipline? No, it's a today word. Because the scripture says in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 15, today, everyone say today, if you hear his voice, not my voice, my voice means nothing, truly. But if you hear his and his word, don't harden your heart. Be receptive to it. Let God do what only he can do. You know, because the world and the Christian world that we live in plays so much defense and not offense, not in comparison to and not in better than, but we know that God is doing something special at Life Center to see 94 people since July give their hearts to Jesus. But we're also going to do something special to orient our mind, again, because it's We love the Lord our God with all of our heart. Then we have compassion and we love people. As he heals us, we love them better and better and better. But he does this simultaneously. Not like when I love God perfectly, then I can learn. No, he's doing this all the time. But one of the things that we want to do is we want to orient our hearts to play offense.